good afternoon. It's a beautiful day here in the Northland. We're ready to do another podcast episode, so here we go. so American, I dropped the A. It's good to be back again. I'm your host, Jonathan Hayashi. Brought to you is the Gospel Joy Podcast from Northern Hills Baptist Church. The Gospel Joy Podcast provides resources that are gospel-driven, Christ-centered, kingdom-minded resources for the glory of God. I am personally thrilled and excited to uh, have this conversation today. Today's episode is episode 21. How does a man know if he's called to pastoral ministry? And our guest that we have in the studio is the one and only Isaiah Barnett. Good morning. Yeah. Yeah. Good to have you. <laughs> good to have you. Hey, thanks for joining us. And uh, hey, I'm really excited. Excited for our listeners to kind of tune in and uh, listen to this conversation. But tell us a bit about you and your journey up to this point so they right, know so who you are. Yeah. I'm Isaiah Barnett. I'm actually the uh, the new college uh, seminary intern here at Northern Hills Baptist Church. Good to be here. Um, and I, I'm a 25-year-old guy that's been married for five of those 25 years. I have a two-and-a-half-year-old child, uh, wife Faith, son Theo, best family I could ever ask for. Um, I am just starting my journey through seminary. Uh, took a little extra time, crammed about four years of undergrad into seven. Uh, but it worked out. It's great. It's great. Uh, but no, I've been, um, in the church since I was born, uh, been raised in uh, Southern Baptist church all of my life. My dad's actually a pastor, went to seminary while I was old enough to remember that too. Um, but uh, a little bit about, uh, my testimony itself, um, being, a, a a kid that was raised in church, I was able to regurgitate all the correct answers to the best of, uh, that I could. I was able to know what I was supposed to know, but in my heart, uh, I really struggled with that. I really struggled with um, actually accepting Christ as my master and Lord of my life. And I still wanted to do what I wanted to do, but I just wanted to hide it from the world. That way, everyone would still see me as the good Christian boy who's, you know, the pastor's kid and everything else doing what I'm supposed to do. Uh, so it wasn't until actually I was at the end of my high school career um, that summer after high school uh, at a church camp in Illinois that... Um, just started, go, uh, they were going through Hebrews 11, Heroes of the Faith. And I started thinking to myself, I am not willing to do any of these things. Um, and when that thought popped in my head, because at first it was like, I'm not willing to do that. And then the second thought popped in, that's a big problem. <laughs> that's, that is a big issue. Because there was still part of me that wanted to claim to be a Christian. But when that thought went, I'm like, there's, there's no denying it. There'd been parts of me that had doubted throughout the years that I, I wasn't truly a Christian. In that moment, I'm like, no, I, I am not serving God. I, if, if I were to die in this moment with that kind of thought as my th first idea of seeing people who are doing amazing things uh, through their faith in God, that's got to change. And so from that moment forward, uh, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to change that around, get my priorities straightened out. Um, <clears throat> wasn't easy. wasn't, uh, even good in the beginning, but it got there. Um, still working of course, but, uh, you know, through that following God, I, it, he led me to my wife, uh, led me to where I was supposed to be in college to, uh, an amazing church family in Hannibal, Missouri. And, um, 
led me to a, a one Sunday morning where I was listening to a sermon and, and, and I could just, I was at that point, I was a, a education major and I was just, I love teaching. I love to show others what I've learned in new and amazing ways so they can experience it and know it and, and, and have joy in it. Um, of course for me, I was also science teacher, so I love science as well. So not many people like that, but it applies a, a lot to, you know, the, the amazingness of God, because you can revel in that, um, and being able to share that joy is awesome. But I was really hating my education degree. I really didn't want to do that. And God's like, Hey, well, I, I could just feel that in that Sunday morning, I could feel that, that inner calling of, then how about you come teach for me? Um, and I prayed about that for a while because I didn't want it to just be a, a whim of, okay, I'll just become a pastor. Also, my wife had said since we got married that she didn't want to marry a pastor. So I was like, okay, God, well, you got to work on her heart. And the cool part was when I actually came to faith and, and, and told her that about a week later, took a week of praying and actually talking with my pastor. And, and I brought that to faith the next Sunday. And she's like, well, I kind of want to talk to you as well, because I feel like that that that's where God's calling my life to be as well is to be right next to you, leading a church, leading his people. Like, and I'm like, okay, so that definitely was God working on it. Sounds great. Uh, answer to prayers that I didn't have to try to work that out. Cause that was nerve wracking knowing that thinking that my wife wouldn't be okay with this. Um, I felt like that was almost one of the first trials and it was, Hey, if, if you're going to serve me, you got to be open about that. You, that if you want to go to seminary, you want to become a pastor, you got to be willing to actually say, Hey, that's what I want to do. That's what I'm going to do. Even if you think people aren't going to like it. Um, and, and when I did, he had, he went, Hey, see, I had already taken care of that. Faith was already on board. But, uh, so now, a uh, few years after that, I'm finally here at seminary. I'm excited to, uh, learn from some amazing uh, professors, some amazing professors and pastors in town. Um, not excluding Jonathan, of course, cause, uh, I'm excited to, to learn under him as well. And, uh, for those of you at home, um, I've actually known Jonathan for, it's somewhere between 11 and 12 years at this point, but, um, yeah, we've known each other for a long time and he actually was my, um, group dad at that church camp that uh, high school year where I actually gave my life to Christ. Uh, so he was one of the first people that found out uh, the truth and it was, it was awesome. It was great. So I'm excited for, I'm excited for what the future holds and what God has in store. I think that's exciting as you share some of those things. Um, I'm excited personally hearing that part of your testimony, but I do think there's several things that you talked about mm -hmm. uh, that, that is a reality that I think I would say confronting reality. Uh, you know, pastoral ministry is difficult. You know, I remember when I was maybe my daughter's age or around that time uh, in kindergarten, I remember looking to my brother and uh, obviously I was not saved. I didn't know the essence of the gospel, who Christ was, but I remember looking at him and I said, my goodness, that job, a pastor, that's the worst job in the whole wide world. I remember during service, I'll look up the ceiling, count the ceiling tiles and playing like you know, uh, Sudoku or whatever games in my mind I make up, I fall asleep. I see people falling asleep. I knew people complained as well. In that little church in Japan, uh, there was only 40 members maybe. And then the pastor had 11 kids. So, you know, it's just like, and he set up the chairs. He did the music. He did the preaching. He made the potluck lunch. And 
You know, it was just like, that's a miserable job. And people complain about the preaching as a little kid. I knew that. And I was oh, like, yeah. I'm not doing that. So in, in a sense, you're a PK, you're a pastor's mm-hmm. kid. You've seen it all. I have. Yeah. So, you know, the, the pastoring is difficult. It, it, it's not an easy job. Uh, I think we were talking earlier. It's not for the faint of heart. Yeah. You know, I was just reminded we're going through our pastoral residency program and, uh, you know, I'm so thankful, Isaiah, you're part of that too, but we're reading through practically trained pastors with Brian Crawford, who is a practical shepherding. And one of the things that he mentioned that he mentioned that we call it the trenches. Those are the trenches of the lonely, difficult, hard road. And, um, you know, so there's that reality that I think even faith sense that even before that pastoral ministry is difficult. You know, my wife, uh, she is a PK as well, pastor's yeah. kid. And, uh, she saw it and, uh, that was a huge thing, you know, like when we started dating, you know, about 10 years ago, um, you know, I remember asking her, Hey, you know, God has called me to this and you have to be okay for the rest of our life serving the bride of Christ. You know, Midwestern Baptist Solo Seminary exists for the church. Exactly. Yeah. Spurgeon College exists for the kingdom and there's no other greater calling than that, but it is not for the faint hearted. And which kind of leads me to the second point. So there's a confronting reality. One second, there is, there's this sense that there needs to be a compelling desire, Yeah, compelling desire, which I guess I would break this down. Jason Allen wrote a book discerning your call into ministry. And one is internal calling. And second is external calling. Do you want to just kind of break that down and just explain internal calling for us? Yeah. Let me hit internal calling. So, um, like I had said, I love to teach. And I actually, I've, I've known that about myself for years that that that's something that, that he, that one of the talents that God gave me was being able to look at something and be able to see how can I present this in a way that someone will understand better. But it goes beyond just uh, talents lining up because like you said, you have to have that inward desire. Um, it's almost as if the, the idea of doing anything else, the idea of, of, doing something other than pastoral ministry, other than going into ministry, just, it seems lacking to me. Um, uh, the, p- people say, you gotta find what, get, what, what you're passionate about. And, and sometimes you gotta do jobs that, that you're not passionate about. I've, I've, I've worked at places where I was not passionate to do that, but it was important so I could do other work in my life. But there's something about, and it's hard to put into words at times, but there's, it's almost like a desire in, like you mentioned uh, a little bit ago, in your bones, you, you just can feel it that you really, this is what, not only do you want to do it because it sounds nice, because it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't sound nice to be uh, in ministry because it is hard, it is, but you still want to do it anyway, because there's, there's this joy that you receive by doing it. There's this joy you get from serving God, and you can get that in in any aspect of serving him. But for those of us who feel the call to uh, full-time ministry, who feel the call to pastoral ministry, it goes beyond the, the normal into the abnormal. It goes beyond the ordinary into the extraordinary. And uh, it just, it's, it's something that uh, even, even when I was in middle school, um, uh, I was at a, a church event. Cause remember I was, I was raised in the church. So I went to, 
anytime the doors were open, we were there. Anytime the youth group had a summer event, we were, I was there. But, um, and it was still at this point where I wasn't actively running from him, but I, I also hadn't quite figured out everything, like how to properly serve him yet. And, um, I didn't re- start really running till high school, but in middle school, I was at this event and they just had us all close our eyes. Cause they were talking about how you can, that time, sometimes you feel that call at an early age. And so they just asked us who wants to be doing ministry with their life. And I had recently been on a, uh, a field trip, wow, a mission trip. And that was one of the most amazing feelings of going around sharing the gospel. And I wanted to do that at all times. I wanted my entire life to be dedicated to that. And um, it wasn't until much later that I realized you can do that. I mean, you could just do that. Like that, that is an option in life. You can choose to be in a place where you are constantly serving him to the best of your abilities to further his kingdom. And, um, and like I mentioned, you don't have to be a pastor to be that way. There are many, there was, uh, in my middle school, a, our church, our church, our school secretary, an amazing woman of God and everything she did, you could see Christ's love through her. It was, it was awesome to see. And, and it was great. It was so amazing that her husband that, um, had kind of struggled with church through the three years I knew this family, not only started coming to church, but became a deacon, became one of an amazing man of God because his wife was so on fire for for Christ and in and, and serving him. And, and so I, I don't want anyone at home to go, well, okay, only pastors can serve full time. That's, that's a fall, a false lie that has been told many times. It is all of us that serve full time. But there's something about pastoral ministry that, that when you feel that calling to to take on that uphill battle, um, that you aren't, you don't doubt it. You aren't afraid of that anymore. There'll be times of worry and, and, and frustration, but, but overall you go, yeah, I want to do that hard thing. I want to serve God that way. Um, yeah, hopefully that answered the question. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's good. You question know, me if there's some things, but you know, I think there's the other side of the totem pole, the argument that mm-hmm. people say, you know, I got to be humble, and you know, but God didn't really call me because that's really a prideful thing to say. Yeah. One of the things I want to say, First Timothy three, as we see the qualification of it talks about first deacons and then the pastor. You know, it's it's really it's a noble calling. The Bible says. And I think one of the things I tell young people is like, you know, the devil doesn't tempt you to preach the gospel. Mm -hmm. Nope. He wants to do everything to bring discouragement, depression, distraction in your life to pull you away from the preaching of the glorious good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, So I just want to just encourage young people if they say, well, I want to be humble and that that's a prideful thing to say. I was like, no, 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 it's good. God put that calling in your heart. Yeah. And there's, if there, you know, if, but at the same time that there's a side that you said, it can't just be a nonchalant kind of flu shot. I just want to do it. I'm going through midlife crisis, man, it sounds fun to do church planting. So I'm just going to go ahead and do it like golf. Um, and for me, I'm just like, oh, it's, it's really tough. And that's the confronting reality of ministry is tough. But there's a joyous side of ministry. You know, I often tell pastoral ministry is like laundry. It's you're putting dirty laundry in 
you're taking out laundry out and you repeat that over and yep. over and over again. And uh, there's, yeah. there's almost a reason it almost, it should be hard because when it's hard, you know, that, that you, anytime you succeed, it's not because of you. It's only through God that you're succeeding. And so it, it I, I almost kind of enjoy the fact that it's hard because it forces me to lean on him even more. It forces me to confront the fact that I cannot do this. It is only Christ through me. Um, so I kind of like that aspect too. Yeah. So there's a reality that one, we got to confront the reality, confronting the reality of the hardship of ministry one, but it's not all doom and gloom and just <clears throat> hardship and sorrow. I mean, there is a compelling desire second that we have in that desire to call. But I think the third aspect is the most important one, which Jared Wilson in his book, gospel driven ministry and section or chapter one speaks about that. There has to be a confirming affirmation, confirming affirmation, which is the second aspect of the internal call. And then now the second, the external call external. Yeah. Yeah. Could you kind of just break that down for us? So, yeah. So we went through that, uh, that chapter last week a little bit. Um, and, uh, no, so what we kind of discussed is, uh, and sorry, I'm tripping over my words. Uh, what Faith and I discussed when I got home, because I, when I learn things with school and anything else, then I'm excited, so I come home and tell my wife. Uh, but we were talking, and, and she's like, okay, so is that, so, so what's the difference between licensing and, and ordaining? And so when you're licensed, you're, you're able to, to, to marry and to, to perform funerals. But uh, being ordained is something even further, because it's a, it's a church that is saying, as a body, we see this calling in this person. We see that they are supposed to be doing full-time issue. They're supposed to be a pastor and we are affirming that. And so, um, that's kind of what that external calling is that, that others around you that at, at times specifically as a church body, uh, people can see that, yes, this is what you are supposed to be doing because, and that's why, yeah, your encouragement to young people, if, if you're afraid that it might be, uh, just you you need to be humble that it might just be a, a, a random thought. We'll ask the people around you. Uh, at times, it's easy to to figure out uh, if the calling's right, if the other people around you are also affirming that. Uh, if if you start asking your closest friends, ask your your wife, your family, and they go, I'm not so sure you really when hard times come, you really struggle with that. I don't think, then you go, okay, that might not have been a good idea. But when you ask them those questions and they go, yeah, I could see you doing that. I, I honestly, that sounds like something you would really enjoy. And then you start going further and cause it's not just, will you like it, but it, that's a good start. And then the external also comes from uh, church body affirming you at, and with ordination, uh, with ordination. And then yeah, it, you have to have both. Because yeah. if you just have that feeling and we're just going off of just feelings, that's a very dangerous path to follow. Yeah. And, you know, I think you're exactly right. I echo what you say, brother. Um, just external calling is, you know, because leadership, it can't be leadership without the followership, yeah. right? So it's a leader follower relationship and the shepherd is leading the sheep as the imagery we would give, right? And a shepherd, pastor, elder, overseer cannot be an elder without the sheep yeah. affirming that following the leading under the chief shepherd who is Jesus. So all pastors are under shepherds actually. Yeah. So, so that being said, um, the people need to affirm that. And how do you affirm someone's calling? That's where I think Paul, you know, uh, gives the qualifications such as first Timothy three, Titus one, first Peter five. And actually when you look at all that, 
it's not actually competency, which is skill set. No. Majority of them is character. It's a, it, it's about um, who you are when no one's looking, not necessarily how skillful you are. In, in who you are. Um, sorry, my headphones went out for a minute, but yeah, it's and yeah, it's it's all about character. You know, I think uh, one of the things that's important here too is we just kind of go down the list, right? Of gospel-driven ministry, you know, you're above approach, you're faithful to his wife, uh, you're not quick to temper, there's self-control, respectful, hospitable. Uh, not given to drunkenness and all these things, you know, they're not quarrelsome. They're not overbearing, right? They're not the lover of money. All these things, it's a matter of the heart. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to, soon as our church, we're going to go through ordination for deacons right now. And what's difference between deacon and a pastor is the one competency difference, which is the skill set you find right in the middle. And it's the ability to teach instruct in sound doctrine and uh that's the only skill set that's different but the difference between deacon and a pastor is that so there's a sense that all these things that we have spoken of is the the, the body will see and so bobby jamieson with um you know nine marks ministry recently wrote a book aspiring pastors so in a sense the calling is aspiring that your sense that this guy's God is giving a compelling desire to preach and teach and shepherd, counsel, lead people. Um, But that needs to be affirmed by the body. Like I said, in ordination service, in a sense, you're recognizing that with being able to teach with sound doctrine, but also the character of that. And one of the things I think I mentioned with us in the internship, uh, in our, you know, sessions that we meet, what happens so often in churches, the mistake that they make they trump charisma and competency mm-hmm. over character of the heart. And that's a dangerous place to be. Yeah, actually, in the book we're going through, that in that first chapter, it mentioned how uh, the, the author had found a, a job posting for a pastor that basically the only qualification was they could preach well because all they wanted him to do was receive 90% of the tithes for retelling famous sermons. It had nothing to do with uh, with who they were, just that they could actually give a speech. And at first, I thought it was kind of a joke, but it, honestly, I'm I'm sure that that's a that's a real story. I'm sure there are other churches out there who have have searched uh, through committees for pastors without focusing on what the Bible shows as the proper qualifications, which is the character. And um, and that's a, that's a hard thing to to reconcile, even in our society today, because that's not what our society looks for. It looks for charisma. When you're looking for a, a, a new person to hire, at times you're looking for the charismatic person. You're looking for the skillful person. And at times you're not looking for the person with good character. And so, but as Christians, as, as the bride of Christ, as his church, we have to be different. We have to follow his qualifications that he's giving us. Yeah, the Bible's incredible, isn't it, when we read it? And it safeguards so many areas that we cause heartache in the church life. And even when deacon ordination or even with pastoral search or with the search team, I often ask the question is this. I ask the question, you know, how do you lead your wife at your home and how do you discipline your children? Because I think that's important because if we want 
people to be able to lead. That's the reason I think it talks about the husband and one wife. And also it says you're to be able to manage the home and the children are faithfully submitted. That's one of the things that first Timothy three speaks of, because, you know, how do we think if we, you know, this person to lead, if they're not leading their wife faithfully, biblically, uh, sacrificially, and also how can they do, you know, lead and discipline a church if their children are not well behaved and so forth. And uh, so I think that's amazing if we think about it. So again, you know, some of the things we talked about in uh, in our internship, you know, I go through the five C's when I'm looking at uh, whether elder, pastor, or anything, or just even a position, just life in general. I think one is the calling, which I talked about that, you know, though we can confront the reality and we compelling desire, the calling, right? That do you sense that God really called you? Or even before that, First John 3, 1, do you, do you know your calling as a child of God? Then nothing can take that away. Not what you do, not what people say or situation or circumstance. Your identity is solid, your calling. Second is character. You know, is this person a man of character? Or And then finally, let's talk about competency. Do they have skill set? Do they have their degrees? And do they have this? But then I talk about chemistry. You know, chemistry, I think about, you know, you know, not based on ethnicity, not based on age, not based on gender or socioeconomic status, but man, people got to get along and chemistry needs to happen there. Yep. Right. Yeah. But last but not least is consistency, you know? So, you know, for me, it's just, it doesn't matter. You're always student, but you know, you just don't show up to work, you know? Wow. Like I rather have a C or D student who comes and faithfully does the job in the good, bad, and the ugly, but a person you know, I rather have that than an A student who just is not consistent. Yeah. You know, so for me, again, calling, character, competency, chemistry, and consistency. That I think that order is important, but so often search team, they're seeing how many education they got. You know, what, how, how much letters they have at the end, or they're an entrepreneurial leader, or they're an extrovert more so. But all those things are not bad, but it's priority, right? Yeah, exactly. You know? it's, it's not that you shouldn't appreciate those things when you find them you shouldn't even at times look at them but it's not it shouldn't be what you're looking for it shouldn't be what you're looking at first yeah yeah so so again you know that being said you know we talk through some things and these things actually if you're rooted and abiding and resting in christ these things naturally begin to bear the fruit of it right i mean think about the fruit of the spirit in galatians chapter 5 22 the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So all those things, if we're rooted in Christ, we begin to bear those things. I mean, I, I often say the fruit of our lives remain uh, reveals the root of our hearts. So, so our belief is tied into our behavior. So again, these are some things that we can kind of work on. And I, I think as pastors, as shepherds or deacons or leaders, we need to continue to bear those the fruit of, of the spirit, right? And the yeah. things that, well, Paul struggles putting on, putting off of our life. And that's a constant sanctification that we're progressively looking to Jesus, right? So so I think based on that, the three things, confronting reality, um, compelling desire, and confirming affirmation of the body, yeah. I think we can begin to see some of these things. Uh, last but not least, I do think the calling of a pastor is a gift. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We talked a little bit in the beginning about how, um, how it's hard and, and everything, but it, it's the, the struggles and suffering you go through, even just in your normal Christian walk, com don't even compare to the joy you receive by doing it. Um, my, uh, 
if, if there was anything that could turn me away, it would be the struggle that, uh, my family and I, uh, had with my father's first church. Um, it, it was not easy. Uh, and honestly, it, it encourages me the fact that he did not leave ministry through that, that he, through all of that, he, he admits it was hard, but he, through all that, he still wanted to still do God's work and wanted to, to live out his calling still. And that was, um, looking back, that's something that, that has still encouraged me that, uh, even when it gets tough, it, it's still worth it in the end. Uh, we were talking earlier, um, in chapter two of the book we're going through, uh, it mentions the, the story of Isaiah and that, <laughs> namesake, uh, but, uh, that he was called to prophesy to Israel and that, um, and, and after, he, uh, God's glory had been revealed to him, even in, in part, uh, Isaiah was excited and ready to go. And God went, okay, this is what's going to happen. And you would think, okay, you just got pumped up by God. You're just you're ready to go. Everything's going to be great. And God hits him with 90% of the people are going to turn away. You're going to have 90% of your, your, your group gone. But the ten percent that remain are going to be faithful, and 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 God went. That is what I want. Uh, and and if you compare that to uh, a church nowadays, I I'd be hard pressed to find a pastor I know that wouldn't at, at least a little bit be discouraged if your church of a hundred people dropped to ten uh, because you were preaching God's word. Um, that would be a hard thing to go through, but. If those 10 are the faithful, if, if you are doing what God's called you to do, you are judged based on what you've done, not how others respond. Um, and I think that's something that as, as pastors, we got to remind ourselves. Um, uh, numbers cannot be what our success is. It's, it's how well have we led the church? Have we led it by continuing with good numbers, but, um, but false fruit being born or have we led it through faithful services to God that, you know, turned some people away, but the ones who were still here are doing his work, are, are genuine followers, genuine disciples of God. Um, and so, yeah, reading that in the book, I'm like, wow, that's, that's not an easy thing to go through. <laughs> that's, that's gotta be hard, but it's okay because that joy of, of seeing someone come to Christ and, and seeing someone that you knew, before they came and, and grow and learn. And now they are discipling people themselves to see that chain continue. There's, there's no other feeling like it to know that, that you've been a part of something much greater than yourself that will continue on through the, through the years because of God. Yeah. But, you know, I'm reminded just kind of, kind of, as I kind of piggyback on what you just talked about, I often tell our staff, this is a sweet stewardship we mm -hmm. have. It's a precious stewardship. Uh, like a stewardship is a steward of a manager who manages resources and God has entrusted us for such a time as this, that we are to mobilize the best of our ability. And uh, we want to make account for his glory. And that's really part of our mission statement, right? We Passionately makes it make disciples who seek Christ, serve people, share the gospel for his glory. And I think it's important for us to remember that we are to call for faithful endurance. And we are in spite of where people are leaving, you know, Acts 16, uh, yesterday we looked at, uh, where Paul, you know, confronting, uh, just, uh, uh the Apollo of, um, 
the son of Zeus, mm -hmm. and he makes a bold statement. No, it's Jesus, the son of God. And it was a battle of the gods. And because of his boldness, not compromising the gospel, yep. which compromised Christianity is no Christianity at uh -oh. all. And Paul stands for the truth. He's locked up in cell and he sings with Silas. Earthquake happens, but God is sufficient, isn't he? Uh, even in that faithfulness is dangerous, uh, but faithfulness is the only option we have in pastoral ministry is that, and if you're listening in and you're a young pastor or aspiring to be a pastor, I just want to encourage you to, you know, continue on not to give up because the Lord is faithful. And, uh, you know, I think about Psalm 1, blessed is the man who does not walk according to the counsel of the wicked, who stands in the way of scoffers and you know, who sits among the mockers and, uh, but they're planted by the streams of water and, you know, God's going to bring the fruit of ministry as you faithfully serve God's people. It's not the numbers, like you said, you know, so it's not even the speed, but go slow. It's not about growing your numbers. Let's grow our members. Yeah. And it's not about the width of our ministry, but it's the depth of our ministry as we disciple and as we help people point people to Jesus. Uh, so again, uh, I hope that was helpful as we know the gospel of the ministry of the pastoral vocational ministry. How does, how does a man know if he's called the pastoral ministry? I hope these were helpful tools for you as you think, and we want to call out the called. If God has called you into that, you know, please tune in, share with us what the Lord's doing in your heart. And uh, we would we'll love to navigate and help you in that next step whether a pastoral residency program or the mission field as a missionary pipeline we're creating here in Northern Hills Baptist Church. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Anything else you want to add, Isaiah? No, I think that's all. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to uh, be the intern here and I'm excited to, I'm excited to see what God has in plan for this church. It's, Amen. it's, it's really nice. Amen. God is doing some incredible things and we really give him is. all the glory to God be the glory, solely Deo Gloria. If you enjoyed your, uh, this, uh, podcast, go ahead and give us a five-star review if you would, <laughs> and go ahead and share on social media as well, uh, as we can continue to help people to learn, to live and love and lead like Jesus. Uh, God bless you all and have a good day. Thank you. <laughs>